Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, Revoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Blog Talk Radio. I want to thank you for listening today. All of you who are going to listen in the archives, I want to welcome all of you. I'm going to try to talk about peace, but but there are many levels to peace, and and it seems that to get to peace, uh, you have to go through war. I think you asked every single person that's going to go to the Super Bowl game if they believed in peace. I think everyone would say yes. But, and then each person probably would have some personal qualification they would put on their definition of peace, and sometimes it's after they've knocked the other person senseless. (laughs) I was so shocked as I listened to the Republican debate because all those men, and even Carly uh, Fiorina, all of them said that they would go after ISIS. Do you think this is what the American people want? I mean, haven't we learned our lesson yet? Are we always going to be having bombs bursting in air? You know, before this land was the United States of America, the people came here had to fight the Revolutionary War. And this war was fought because the people in the new land did not have the right to vote about things that were going on in England. But England was making rules and regulations for them because England considered the new land a colony, just like they uh, think of Canada, and they were requiring them to pay taxes. And the ingenuity and the resourcefulness of the people in the new land were creating all sorts of new products for sale, too, and England was beginning to feel the brunt of the competition, So they were also trying to regulate the people's ability to trade their products, you know, like the cotton and other uh, things that they were growing here and making here in the United States, not only to England, but to other countries like France and Spain and Ireland and India. So the Revolutionary War caused the setting up of the Continental Congress of July 2nd, 1776, which formally declared independence from Great Britain. But the British continued their siege. They moved into the southern colonies, where they planned to enlist many loyalist regiments. And British forces did have success in bringing Georgia and South Carolina under control in 1779 and 1780. But the Loyalist surge began to weaken in the South, so by 1981, George Washington took back the control 
at the Battle of Yorktown and captured the entire British forces of over 7,000 men. Well, that defeat at Yorktown finally turned the British Parliament against the idea of trying to keep the United States as a colony. So in early 1782, they voted to end all offensive operations in North America. This was six long years after the Continental Congress declared independence. Well, things tried to settle back down more into some kind of a reasonable life, but as America continued its expansion into unclaimed territories of the West, you know, all the states west of the original 13 colonies, the British continued sticking their nose in our business by trying to work with the Native American Indians. Because the British's idea was to arm the Indians, supposedly, so they could fight off the expansion of the white man into their territory. But the British motive was to control the territory themselves and to establish areas that would be under British domination and control for the purposes of products of trade. Because war has always been about the resources of our earth. Who is going to control the land? Who is going to have the wealth of the resources of the earth? And who is going to be the labor force that makes the wealth from the resources of the earth? And this is still true today. All war is about the earth's resources. So as the new nation continues its expansion into new territories in an effort to try to get the British out of our country totally once and for all and to formally end all of the trade embargoes that Great Britain was putting on the U.S. goods that were going into Europe, to try to bring England to the negotiating table about this, the U.S. made it look like we were going to try to take over Canada. (laughs) And this caused England to uh, take a look at the situation. At the time, England was involved in a war with Napoleon. And so once they defeated Napoleon at the Battle of Waterloo in 1814, and then France and Britain decided to become friends again, (laughs) the British decided to end all of the trade restrictions with the U.S. and also end all attempts to prosecute British soldiers and sailors who had defected to to the U.S. to fight for the new nation. And this effectively removed the two main causes of the war. So neither side had any reason to continue. So on December 14, 1814, the two countries signed the Treaty of Ghent. And a battle, weary people once again gratefully laid down their weapons. Francis Scott Key wrote the Star-Spangled Banner. And after that last battle, and an era of good feelings sprang up in the U.S., because the bogus attempt to annex Canada did serve to get all of the parties to the peace table. And ever since, we have had a long and successful, peaceful relationship uh, between the United States and the British Empire. Now, this became known as the Second 
post-revolutionary war. In history, it's called the War of 1812, but even then, um, it was not the end of the disputes because America continued to expand and develop. So in 1836, the United States and Mexico disputed whether Texas belonged to the U.S. or Mexico. And in 1845, the U.S. annexed Texas. So the next war was the Mexican-American War, which was from 1846 until 1848. Texas had revolted against Mexico in 1836, but Mexico continued to consider it part of its national territory. So when it was annexed by the U.S., then uh, that brought the nations into war. Well, the U.S. forces quickly occupied Santa Fe to Nuevo Mexico and the Alta California Territory. And um, another um, U.S. Army captured the capital, Mexico City, and then the war ended in a victory for the United States and the Treaty of Guadalupe Hidalgo ended the the war and specified the major consequences of the war. Well, that was um, Mexico gave up the territories of Alta California and uh, Santa Fe de Nuevo, Mexico, to the and Texas in exchange for $15 million. And in addition, the United States assumed $3.25 million of debt that was owed by the Mexican government to U.S. citizens. And Mexico recognized um, the loss of Texas and thereafter cited the Rio Grande River as its national border with the United States. All right, so now the people of the United States are beginning to struggle to set some kind of an example to the world of a national republic of political liberty and personal rights. But, (laughs) here's all those buts to peace. (laughs) Part of the treaty to end the Mexico-American War included the 1849 request of California for statehood. And California requested to enter the Union as a free state with no slavery. Well, this is what set up the very heated debate over the issue of slavery, which continued and continued. And by 1861, among the 34 United States, seven southern slave states individually declared their secession from the United States and formed the Confederate States of America. This Confederate group was eventually just called the South, And the main states were Virginia, North and South Carolina, Alabama, Arkansas, Georgia, and Mississippi. These states wanted to continue to have slavery because their economic survival depended upon the agricultural products that they produced, Uh, you know, cotton and peanuts, and also many other types of vegetables and foods. And the land orders owners needed to have a labor force that was indentured because the South's experience with the black people was if they weren't slaves, 
they wouldn't work. Different owners of the plantations had experimented with granting freedom to their slaves, but once they were freed, they equated freedom with not having to work anymore. And eventually there were 11 states who stood with the Confederate forces in wanting to continue slavery in order to have workers for the farms. And these included Louisiana, Texas, Florida, and Tennessee. The tipping point that caused the war was whether the new territories that were then joining the United States were to be slave states or free states. So when California became a state, the condition was that they were to be a free state, no slavery. Because California didn't need slavery (laughs) because of all the Mexicans who were in California after the Mexican-American War who had become citizens of the new state, which was now part of the United States. And Mexicans are wonderful workers. They love to work. And they provided that strong labor force for the newly developing territory. And this is still true today. The northern states who contributed the most troops to fight for the Union were Illinois, Indiana, Iowa, Kentucky, Maine, Massachusetts, Michigan, Missouri, New York, Ohio, Pennsylvania, and Wisconsin. And also there were many blacks who escaped to the north who also fought for the north in the war. Now the American Civil War was from 1861 to 1865. And it was to determine if the United States could survive as one nation under God, indivisible with liberty and justice for all, or not. And after four years of conflict and 620,000 casualties later, the war technically ended with the surrender of General Robert E. Lee's Confederate forces to to General Ulysses S. Grant's Union Army after the Battle of Gettysburg in 1864. The Civil War produced the largest number of casualties from any war at any time in the history of the United States. The casualties of the Civil War were more than all the combined wars of all other American conflicts. If you add up the casualties from the Revolutionary War, the Second Revolutionary War, known as the War of 1812, the Mexican-American War, World War One, World War Two, Vietnam, Korea, and the Iraqi-Afghanistan War, the casualties are less of all those wars than the 620,000 casualties from the American Civil War. Now, it was in Lincoln's Gettysburg Address that the golden rule of war has been written in stone. Four score and seven years ago, Our fathers brought forth on this continent a new nation conceived in liberty and dedicated to the proposition that all men are created equal. Now we are engaged in a great civil war 
testing whether that nation or any nation so conceived and so dedicated can long endure. We are met on a great battlefield of that war, and we have come to dedicate a portion of this field as a final resting place for those here who gave their lives that that nation might live. But in a larger sense, we cannot dedicate, we cannot consecrate, we cannot hallow this ground. The brave men who struggled here have consecrated it far above our poor power to add or detract. The the world will little note nor long remember what we say here, but it can never forget what they did here. And it is for us, the living, rather to be dedicated here to the unfinished work which they who fought here have thus far so nobly advanced. It is rather for us to be here dedicated to the great task remaining before us that from these honored dead we take increased devotion to that cause for which they gave the last full measure of devotion that we are highly resolved that these dead shall not have died in vain and that this nation under God shall have a new birth of freedom and that government of the people, by the people, for the people, shall not perish from the earth. This has been the war cry since 1865. And we still haven't figured out which it's going to be. And we still need that new birth of freedom in this country so that the government of the people, by the people, and for the people shall not perish from the earth. That earth's resource that the 650,000 soldiers died for in the Civil War is manpower. Who is going to do the work? I see several things here we need to begin to consider. First of all, the fact that black people are no longer slaves doesn't mean that they do not have to work. So I suggest that by the 10th generation since the Civil Civil War, which would be two more generations or 40 more years, that by then all black people should be off of public assistance and able to take care of themselves. Because not working is not proof that you are no longer a slave. These two ideas need to be separated now. As a slave, black people didn't have any rights regarding their work. But as a citizen and a free man, they have every potential that every other person has now. And let's make sure that those 620,000 men who gave their lives so that the black people can be free, did not die in vain. Being free means that the unlimited possibilities, 
that are available to the to a citizen of the United States of America is now totally available to every person red and yellow black and white all are precious in God's sight it's alarming to me that the statistics show now that more than 51% of all the people in the United States are disabled in some way or are receiving some type of public assistance. <clears throat> so if 620,000 soldiers died in order to guarantee that manpower is available to do the work that needs to be done in this country, how much harder is it going to be on all the rest of us, the 49% of us who do work, to make it? It's getting harder and harder to make it because not enough people are working. We need to begin to think in terms of our work being a sacred labor, our purpose for our life, our way, our way to take care of ourselves, and our way to contribute to the common welfare, not take from the common welfare. And in, view, and in reviewing all of the wars that this country's been through already, don't you think it's enough? Isn't it time for us to lay down our weapons and take up the plow? <laughs> That's what the Bible says. Beat our weapons into plows. Take that iron and make a tractor, not a machine gun. And as for the other resources that countries go to war for, whether it's oil or lithium or cotton or tea, let us all look to the resources of our own country, because within each and every country, there is a resource that is that country's way to wealth and prosperity. No one needs to go rob another country. The earth's resources are generally distributed all around, enough for everybody. Each country finds its resources sells its resources, and then buys other resources that it needs. And each country's manpower is for that country's resources. And it isn't fair for the U.S. to go to China to get manpower. We have a huge source of manpower right here in this country. Perhaps this manpower needs some education and to learn some basic skills but those 620,000 soldiers just cannot die in vain. Let's motivate our country's manpower that has been freed by the blood of these 620,000 soldiers to get going and start producing the products and resources of this great nation and get this great nation going again a land of the people, for the people, and by the people, one nation under God, with liberty and justice for all, living together in peace.
With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.